river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 112. When last we left you, you had endeavoured to take take Tristan to White Rose Abbey. Yes. uh, Where he had gotten very sick indeed. Yes. Clearly he is not supposed to go there. Um... I think he actually had a crack at um Yeah, he made her he made her and we discovered that if he picks up stuff. if he tries to wield gatekeeper he gets a negative level. Yeah. And he bravely endeavoured to mount his surmount his now minus six penalty and almost no magic uh, and use magic device and oddly enough it didn't go very well. Yep. So um we elected to leave it there and took him back away from White Rose Abbey. And then you have found Hillstomper. An awesome, awesome mammoth. A burned mammoth that um, tells you that, um, among other things, he uh, he wind chaser, a presumably a druid named Calafraxis, um, and Castruccio Iravetti, all used to sort of pal around. Yep. Um, and. Um, Right now, his current problem is that a Craglanorn, a big-ass dragon, has, um, is endeavouring to claim the Mammoth Graveyard. Yes. Presumably, um, Tristan could doubtlessly tell you, you know, it's, it's doubtlessly driven by its desire to possess the ivory. It's, it's of value. It's, it's what dragons do. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, I think, about where we'd left it be. So we had, um... Talked though, Tristram had given me a bunch of knowledge about Craig, the, the Norns, and the things, what they do. Yeah. And um, on that basis, Kaelin and Tristram had left and ridden back to Elk's Rest incredibly quickly. Yeah. Because we had magic horses. Yeah. And then um, I had gotten Windchaser. Yeah. And um, in addition to that, I had also gotten myself a masterwork Cold Iron Lance and some ah, Cold Iron plus cool. covers and um, four potions of protection from fire. Yep. And then Windchaser and I and Tristram had all ridden back down mm-hmm. to um, help Hillstop and fight the Craglanor. Yes, indeed.
Cool. So you have put uh, cold iron tusk covers yep. on Hillstomper. Yes. And then what is your um, agenda? And um, I didn't think of this last time, but I thought of it in the intervening. Yeah. yeah. But I'll also have bought six or so cold iron arrows. Yep. Just on the general basis. I'll add those in after. But um, on the general basis that it's possible that the Karaglanorn will take off and, you know, endeavour to spit fire at us from the sky or whatever. Yes. And Kaelin has absolutely no, otherwise has absolutely no ability to damage it up there. Yes. He's not exactly great with the longbow, but, you know, it, it beats standing there and looking pretty well. It spits acid at it or fire or what it gets fire. Yeah, because we've got the projecting. Yeah. Standing there while it spits fire down at us. So, yeah, so our plan was that... Um, we were pretty much going to um, head through the Mammoth Graveyard, find the Crag Lenorn and rumble its ass. Yep. Just me, my awesome t- enlightened horse, um, my awesome enlightened mammoth buddy, and the um, and my awesome bard on a and a, my awesome bard on a phantom steed because we're a pretty pretty cool team here. Okay, so you are um somewhat setting the rules of engagement there um, Hillstomper can pretty much tell you uh, more or less exactly what you've got here so you've got kind of this box canyon and then at the end of it in the bit where it is turning into mountain there is a Craglenorn parked there um, it is as far as Hillstomper is aware although he doesn't know that his information's all that good on it um, basically just sort of stalking around the mountainside at this point. Cool. So, um, we want to go find it. Yeah. Um, right before, as, if we have a pretty good idea that it's in its position, we want to drink the potions before we see it, but otherwise we'll drink the potions after we see it, because... We don't want to actually use all the potions and then just be buggered if it turns out it's actually flown away. So we may need to spend the first round drinking potions and feeding potions to animals and things. That's fair. Okay. So... Are you going to endeavour to um, sneakily sneak up on this Lenorn dragon? Um... Just me and my mammoth. Just you and your your stealthy, stealthy mammoth. Yeah. Who can hide from you? Um, I think um, because we do want to find it. Um, Kaelin is not particularly going to sneak up on it. Yeah. However, it's cool if Tristram wants to sneak up on it. Yeah, about that. <laughs> We're kind of not the most stealthy group. To be honest. Um, Tristan would pretty much just tell you, uh, if we are going to do this with a woolly mammoth and uh, you, then I don't think we have much chance of sneaking up on it. Dragons tend to be quite alert to this sort of thing. No, and we're looking for it. We, we actually want to fight it after all. <laughs> I.e., before you roll, you fail. <laughs> yep, that's fine. So we endeavour to locate the thing. Yep. And then when we start, you know, hearing roaring and rattling of bones and the general sound of a dragon coming out to eat us, that's when we drink our potions. And indeed, as you basically ride up towards it, um, you can see nothing on the hillock. Um, as in the dragon is not like just sitting on the side of the mountain looking at you, 
But it's pretty damned obvious that something is happening here. The Craig woman has made no real effort to hide. What you see is a string of increasingly bleached bones going up towards what is a comparatively small cave up on the hill. On this mountainside, rather. And as you ride in, at, um, Keston Garris style, shouting Avant, carry on! <laughs> we'll refrain from actually yelling in a loud voice. Um, you will indeed hear the rattling of bones and the cricking of something, and that is probably about the point where I want to draw you a map and things. Yes, sounds good. So and at that point I think we can pretty much drink the potions as it comes out. And I told you about this thing, didn't I? Um, that... You're welcome to remind me, given it's between sessions, but yeah. I remember some it's of a it, 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 it spits fire, it death curses people. You need cold iron and to, to um, injure it in any way. To injure it in any meaningful way. Um, it cannot be contained. It has, it's for freedom of movement. It has freedom of movement on. I don't actually grapple all that many dragons. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a hideously poor idea anyway. Um, and... Um, has a death curse that does something. Yep. Which I will look up when you get there. Yep. Mm -hmm. But I believe it um, renders you vulnerable to fire or something in that neighborhood. Yep. As you are heading down the canyon, Tristan says, oh, I, I think we should perhaps not all uh, bunch up. Um, how about I take the higher ground? And he will air walk his mount up to the top of the canyon. Neat. Mm -hmm. He has no compelling reason not to, and pretty much every reason to not um, stand in melee with you. Yep. Uh, and he tells you not to line up in a row. Yep. Hmm? If you can help it. Cool. Good tip. Yeah, so... Uh, so Tristan says, the one advantage that we do have over these things is that they're not terribly, not terribly intelligent. They're lesser cousins of dragons in every way that matters, by which I mean intellectually. Um, it will certainly be capable of holding a conversation, but I, I wouldn't expect anything deep and sophisticated from it. Uh, so he can tell you that it has an intelligence of about five. So yep. it's substantively smarter than an animal, but substantively yep. dumber than a person. Yep. Uh, and in this particular case, it is dumber than all the animals as well. Yes, because we have really smart animals. Yep. Smarter than Kaylin is, and no one hesitates to rub it. <laughs> yep. Fortunately, you are smarter than Tristan's horse, which does not have an intelligence staff. Yes. Windchase is only two points smarter than me. There we are. Okay. And Kaylin gets a mighty seven to um, get us off to an awesome start in the initiative. I believe Hill Stomper is on par with you, 12 intelligence. Yep. There we are. I am as smart as the mammoth, even if it is better at sneaking. Yep. Not the sneakiest mammoth, though. 18 for the Craig Lenorn. Okay. Rubbing everyone else into a cocktail. I would imagine. Uh, uh, 18 for Tristan, bringing him under the Lenorn. Ah, okay. The Lenorn's got really good... Uh, um, uh, he's got plus five, it's got plus seven. Wow. Okay, and um, Hill Stomper. Hill Stomper. Has a twelve. Yep. Mighty, mighty zero initiative. 
That's a um, nice clear pattern here. Kale's getting his ass kicked by everyone. Okay, can we declare we've drunk our potions as we come up to it? Or? By all means, Sweet. yes. Okay, then we've done that. You are not having any real trouble finding this thing. Yeah. Um, again, you know, if it were a more intelligent dragon, it might have, say, better defences, false trails, any number of such things. It, it really isn't. It's very dangerous, but what it isn't is fierce, a fiercely intelligent foe. Yeah. That's right. Windchase is actually ridiculously fast. He goes at 70 foot because yes. he's got horseshoes of speed. I mean, he's not phantom steed fast. No, but he doesn't slow Tristram's horse up as much as it would he would if he was a regular horse. Right, so as you come clanking down, um, you hear a scrabbling and a stirring and a from within the cave, and indeed crawling out from it comes. A truly gargantuan dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike perhaps um, the more conventional dragons that Caelan is used to here, it has a long, sort of almost serpentine neck, and its tail is actually almost non existent. Like, it's a meter long, but relative to the size of the dragon, that's kind of stubby, as opposed to having the good hooked, hooked tail that it can smack you with and things. And it comes out the hole, sort of looks around vaguely, and then <laughs> to its to itself or to you in draconic. Um, it's <laughs> old mammoth. Didn't think I'd see you again. And hmm, is that king's blood I smell? And. He looks at you for a moment and then thinks, pauses and shouts at you and tell Dane, Virgin! Not for some time, Kaelin says in Draconic. <laughs> you do not come to offer tribute then. Mm-hmm. Nay. And um, Kaelin levels the last. <laughs> it has been... A long time since I have eaten a king. (laughs) (sighs) And as it does this, you hear that growl coming out of it. It just sort of snakes its head forward and almost casually breathes out this enormous line of fire that goes all the way down the length of the canyon. and he knows what, what what Hillstomper can do, and he has no idea what you can do, so he will aim it at Hillstomper. Okay. As it is, alas, a five-foot line, and thus not big enough to um, go through um, both your squares at once. Okay. So he basically goes vroom, streaking that way, and the snaking fire bursts out of his mouth, but it doesn't seem to be just sort of projected spraying out in a cone or spraying out in a line as he sort of rears his head back snake-like and his throat flickers there's the and a line of spiralling fire comes out without him spinning his head to do it and almost tracks in on Hillstomper and Hillstomper makes a reflex save his very best save uh, which to be honest he will probably actually make got the 
these on two separate pages, so it's going to be a slightly annoying fight. Okay. As I flick back and forward between them. Uh, yes, with sh- with the shocking agility that makes him a master of stealth, yep. <laughs> Hill Stomper will endeavour to leap out of the way. Do you want some notepad? Please, yes. Uh, and thus merely takes half damage. Cool. Yes. I'm sure you'll be shocked to learn the woolly mouth does not in fact have invasion. Yep, so on he has a hundred and however he has hundred and twenty points of total fire absorption. Yep. So um he takes the damage on that rather than his actual hit points. Good for him. save, he takes a meager 24 points of fire damage. Sweet! And then that is pretty much what he's got. Yep. He walks out kind of looking slightly awkward uh, and then uh, spits the line of fire at Hillstomper. Who is, appears completely unmoved. Yep. Then it is Tristan who works out um, exactly how far away from the woolly mammoth he can afford, from the um, giant dragon he can afford to be, and still actually meaningfully engage it. Yep, Tristan who works out what his plan, his dragon fighting plan was. He's welcome to have a bargain music at us to get us going if he desires to, or he can just start shooting. Yes, he could, which is probably actually worth doing, all things considered, given that you have um, more allies than usual in here. That was my thought, but I don't... Um, it's your call what you want to break out with. Uh, and um, he will dart right back. Yeah. And falls back sort of a 200 foot back down the canyon. Just... The horse just kind of casually turns and goes as it sees the line of fire. Um, And then you will hear Tristan's voice echoing down the canyon as he begins to sing a song in Sylvan about the bond between the bond between the animal and the man, the steed and the rider. Awesome. And everybody, including Windchaser and Hillstomper, feel inspired. Awesome. Very helpful. And that is Lord Tristan Thorne. Cool. Some feats while you're pondering your hill mammoth battle strategy. Uh, yes, indeed. Hillstomper actually has the intelligence to do a bunch of different things, but not really the capacity per se. Uh, so he will just bowl forward with him, calling out to him 
in the Tell Dame because Hillstopper does not speak draconic. Hey, away from my graveyard, beast! I'm not alone today. And he will charge you. Yep. Ree! And just gores straight into him. Um, unlike you, he cannot just trample over the dragon. It is bigger than him, so it simply rebuffs his efforts to do so. Yep. He does, however, get to gore it. Uh, and that would be a 34 to hit its AC. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, a 36 on a charge, which will do it. Fifteen points of damage, and the Craig Lenorn looks sort of vaguely amused at this, and smoke flares from the corners of its mouth and billows up as it's, it gives a big serpentine grin at Hillstomper, and, and it says, "It says to him in Draconic, if you weren't so stupid, you'd realize that you can't." Ow! Because <laughs> presumably the last fight has gone fairly differently with Hillstomper's near total inability to overcome his DR. Yeah, yeah, the um, the fact that um, Hillstomper has a certain amount of advantage was had a certain amount of advantage as being completely vulnerable to the Craglenorn's attacks, while the Craglenorn was almost totally immune to Hillstomper's. Because he's actually got regeneration as well, doesn't he? Yes. If he's Massive DR and high regeneration if he isn't dealt to cold iron damage. damage. So you need cold iron to overcome his DR, and if none of you manage to hit him with cold iron on a given round, then he will regenerate a little. So if we all miss him, he'll, he'll do some regenerating. Correct, although I don't see that as um, compellingly likely. I mean, he can fly off and regenerate himself. Yeah. Alright, that's why we brought Tristram. Tristram's the insurance against dragons just flying away plan. How's that? Well, he's got a bow. Yes. I acknowledge it's a short bow, but a bow it is nonetheless. Alright, and then it is... Kaelin. Okay. King of Stagthorn. So, Kaelin, King of Stagthorn, has his lance out. It's a masterwork cold iron lance that he has purchased for this occasion. Um, so... What I I have ride by attack and spirited charge. Yep. So my battle strategy is going to involve a heavy amount of charging. Sure. Here. Um, I don't know if I can get past him with ride by attack. I don't know how narrow this canyon is. Oh, so these are the walls of the canyon, and that's yep. then turning out into mountains. So you're going uphill past this point, which will be difficult terrain and slow your movement, whatever that's worth to you, probably sod all. Yeah, I mean, I've got um, 70 foot to play with. But this is just open mountainside. Sweet. So, you can see the outline of the cave, you can't go through that without going into it, because that's what you're looking at, is it's an angle like this, the cave is in here. Yep. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, so Caelan will go dunk, 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 Yep. And gallop straight past him, and as he goes past, he will charge and strike him and tr- charge with a lance. Kaelin has never felt more knight-like than he does right now with a lance charging it on ma- on horseback, charging a dragon. Uh, well, I remember. Um, you'll provoke from it, um, as does Hillstomper. Because it has a massive 20-foot reach. Right. Um, even though I have ride by attack? 
I'm fairly confident oh, yeah, it doesn't prevent you from provoking. Yeah, no, it prevents me from provoking as I ride away. It doesn't prevent me from provoking. You're welcome to look it up. Like. No, I'm, I'm pretty confident ride by attack prevents the... Because the point of ride by attack... In any case, it will prove largely irrelevant because he'll throw the first one at Hill Stomper anyway because he's not yeah. thinking deeply through the tactics here. Yeah. Um, and then proves not to have combat reflexes. Right, okay, then it doesn't matter. A 31 to hit, which will comfortably clip the mammoth. Yep. Um, as Hillstomper rides in, he takes. So he's got 24 taken off his protection, which is 120. Yeah, 120. Um, then. As Hillstopper rushes in, the Lenorn's head snakes out and just sort of snaps at him because it's got a twenty-foot reach. Yeah, um, bites down hard, deals him twenty points of damage just from hooking him with the bite, um, and then Hillstopper seems to stagger as fire is leaking out of the Lenorn's mouth and into his wo- into Hillstopper's wounds, trying to bore in. And Hillstomper makes a fortitude save against fire poison. Uh, which, of course, his fortitude is completely and utterly ludicrous. So that is a 20 on a low roll, which will fail. Um, his wounds burn. Um, this seems to get absorbed by the protection because this is straight fire damage. Yep. But nonetheless, it is still happening. Yep. And Hill Stomper staggers as he seems to be weakened by this as well, like it's burning out his insides and draining his constitution. Ooh, nasty. Cool. And then you ride through. Yep. Uh, the Lenorn will sort of vaguely try and snap back at you, but it is nowhere near fast enough. And you may gore it to your heart's content. Cool. With your goring weapon. Yes. So. Ooh! And I crit threat it. Well, that could be nice. Uh, do you want to roll to confirm, or do you want to spend a hero point to confirm your triple damage crit? Um, or more? Yeah, I want to... I only have two fate points left. I want to roll to confirm it. That's fair. And um, I rolled another 20. Okay, so you miss on the second one. (laughs) Okay, so... A lance does double damage when used on the back of a charging mount because you've got spirited charge. I believe that's triple. It is indeed triple. Okay, so... And, of course, a lance is also a times three critting weapon. As Kaelin is roaring past it, Lenorn sort of swings its head round to come and hook at you, and you just jink very slightly to the left on Windchaser and sort of jam the lance through the side of its head, snapping it and swinging it back. And... Okay, let me work out my actual damage for a start. Now, I am, of course, wielding it two-handed, so I get my... Yep. Which is good, because my... Remembering that you're adding two on that, and Uh, tripling it all. Ah, yes. Okay, so, um, that's... 11 plus... 15. Okay, so it's 13. Yep. 
and then I get times three for the charge. Yep, so it becomes 36. Okay, and then I get times three for the crit. Uh, yeah, not sure how that works. I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes. Um, let me look that up. I actually had no idea how those um, interact, so we'll just pause for a moment. Uh, you may want to either write down your damage or something so you don't lose track of it. No, it's okay. 13. So my thought would be 78 times 6. 13 times 6. Uh, yeah, right. I found the thing I am looking for. So... Uh, there's a complicated rule I can explain to you here, but basically you don't multiply your multipliers, you add them together. Yeah. Uh, so you, grand total, you were doing your 13 times 5. Okay. That's how that works out. Cool. 65 points of damage. Well, might we? <laughs> 65. And so the Lenorn sort of reaches down, almost casually taking a snap at you, and you endeavour as hard as you can to just ram the lance through one cheek and out the other one. It realises the danger that it's in at the last minute and yanks its head back when you manage to smash the lance through one cheek, but before you can pierce it out the other one, the Lenorn flicks its head away, and then (laughs) begins to sort of spill fire out the side of its mouth, dribbling. Um, as Kalen reaches the end of his uh, his ride, he um, shakes his head slightly. You said it's been a while since you've eaten a king. It's been a while since I've mounted a dragon's head on my castle wall. Thinking I'll be remedying that. It does not look real happy. F. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to credit every time, but that was a nice start. Okay. And then it is the Lenorn. Yep. Alright, it's it's got a plan. Yep. It looks hurt, but by no means about to fall down. I wouldn't have thought so. I mean it's a it's a big gnarly dragon and I did um that that certainly wouldn't have taken Kayla down. It looks at you slightly astounded and then burbling slightly from the hole in its cheek. You dare! Who do you think you are? I will rend you limb from from limb! It says, starting to huff and looking very upset. And it will kind of just... What? Wander over past the side of the cave. Um... At which point it will haul off and full attack you. Yep. Yeah. So and I am, of course, at a minus two um, attack yep. um, penalty because I charge. Suddenly the head snakes out towards you, and then two very long, long arms. Most dragons have the little sort of stubby T Rex type ones. This one has much longer T Rex arms. Hooks out at you. Hook, hook, and bite. Sweet. So, uh, the bite is a 28, which I think will miss. Yep. Got a weapon out. 
Thank you, Mikael. Uh, the claw is a 29, which I think will miss. That will also miss. And then something. Oh, no, miss. sorry. The 29 will hit because I'm on a minus two penalty because of... Um... So, um... Wait, how did it work that out? Hang on. Um, sorry, 28 and 29, you said. So they will actually both hit. Okay. So it will hit you with all three, then. Yep, because the um, the minus two penalty is actually hurting me quite a lot here, as those first is, two would have missed. Is there any point in dividing this up for you? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't... Oh, um, yeah, the fire damage... The fire damage yep, goes yep, off mine. separately. Yeah. But it, this is not fire damage that it does beyond its poisonous bite. No, the rest of it you don't need to divide up. Uh, so that's... Uh, can you take 62 points of damage? Oof! Yep, that's a, that's a nasty start. As it just hooks into you with hideous, hideous strength and suddenly getting trampled by Hill's Tomper looks quite good, good by, by comparison. comparison. Yeah. As it rips and tears at you. And then can you make me a fortitude save? Hold on, I'm still doing the damage. Sure. Yep, alright, that is a fairly appreciable fraction of Kaelin's hit points. Alright. Um, that is a hmm, 24 on the fortitude save. That will succeed. So you can feel the fire boring into your wounds and you just kind of grunt and bear it. But yes, that was a nasty, um, that was a nasty brutal onslaught. I don't think that this doesn't feel like it's going to be one of them long fights. No, probably not. (laughs) All right. And it is Tristram. Here he comes to save the day. Yep. Uh, so, Tristram will come on his horse. Um, Hellstomper got the damage bonus from the bar yes, song. Yes, and did. Cool. Rolled um, reasonably poorly on his damage. Yep. Uh, So Tristan will ride in again, I believe has yep, amply enough ranks and concentration to do this while riding. Waves his hands, throws them out and casts something. Hillstopper says, I feel young again. Uh, as Tristan casts haste on everyone. Oh sweet. Alright. Uh, primarily it gives you an extra attack, a full base attack bonus. Oh sweet. Then plus one to AC and plus one to reflex saves, neither of which is irrelevant here. Yeah, yeah, so. Yes, but that's going to be nice because Kaelin gets. He doesn't get the um, charge bonus this round, but he gets the full attack. Yep. And his AC goes back up, which will be very nice. And Hill Stomper, if you were smart enough to understand me, you would know there are reasons that animals hunt in packs. <laughs> and he rears up, smashes down two stomps onto the dragon, boom, boom, throws his whole bolt on it and smashes down and then tends to ram his gore through it as well. Yep. As he full attacks the, the 
ever-loving shit out of it. Yeah, well, let's not forget that when Hillstomper only just started stomping on me and then he stopped because as we managed to negotiate, I didn't get to experience the full full Hillstomper stomp. So, uh, the hasted gore will miss, the other one will hit. Yep. The slam will hit, but only just. Stomp will miss and hit. Alright, so one gore, one slam, one stomp. Yep. Um, the gore is going to pierce his DR. Yeah, the other two are Yeah. There's not really a lot you can do about that. You can't yeah. give him metal feet and a metal body. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he might he might do just enough damage to do a tiny bit with the other one, and the gore should right. be nice. So it's 20 on the gore. Yeah, I mean, that's a good start. Uh, minus the DR. Five on the um, slam. See, that's not, um, you know, I mean, it's not huge amounts, yeah, but it's yeah. not When nothing. you have 33 strength, you can actually yeah. just kind of punch some DR. And nothing on the stomp. Yep. As his foot comes down, boom! It's kind of glances off. Mm-hmm. Alright. And then it is Kaylin. Yeah, wind chaser. Let's get in there. And um, we move up to here. Yep, which does not provoke. Cool. And then um, Kaylin will full attack with the lance. Lance, lance. Lance, lance. lance. <laughs> yep. Only the. Um, only the regular lance damage now. Brrr, I am with you. Drive the usurper from our from the stolen lands. Alright. Okay, and that is a Alright, so I am flanking and so I've got a yes, plus four so I've got a plus four here because with Tristram as well. Yes. Alright, so that's a twenty six. Uh, that will miss. Yep, it was a very poor roll. And Hill Stomper, who suddenly feel, feels inspired, and the Lenore looks slightly more damaged. Yep. Alright, and um, yeah, because those damage bonuses are going to be really relevant yep. on his DR, yep. on, on his DR vulnerable hits. Alright, and that is. Um, Yes. Yeah, <laughs> lots. <laughs> lots. So you lots. bring the lance up, not quite accustomed to coming this fast at yeah. it. Miss with the first stab, hit with the second one. Yep, alright, and that is... Um, um, 15 points of cold iron damage. Yep. And then again... Get the calculator. These are relatively big numbers that I'm having around here. Thirty-five. Uh, damage or to hit? To hit. Yes. Alright, and then another fifteen points of lance damage. Yep. And then the last hit. Will miss. Cool. As the um, his AC is a bit high, unless I roll well on the last hit, and that was more of the average roll. So, the Lenorn Dragon looks quite badly damaged. Good. So does Kellen. As several of these blows hit it. 
Um, and it will sort of look round, see that it is obviously ble- bleeding from several of its wounds, um, looks back at you and in a very teenage fashion, which probably gives you an idea of how relatively old this thing is, looks at you. It's it's not fair. <laughs> so unfair. <laughs> and it turns and endeavors to leap into the air and yep. provokes from you and Windchaser as it flies away. Wait, me and Hillstomper? You and Hillstomper. Yes, yeah, because Windchaser doesn't have iron hooves, so there's... Technically it does provoke from him, I think, but yeah. it's largely inconsequential. Uh, so oh, Hillstomper will miss that one. Rolled a bit poorly, but it wasn't my full attack. So. Uh, no, he won't. He will hit, because he remembers that he is flanking you. You can't expect the mammoth to be good at math. Well, in all fairness, he wasn't flanking until I moved up, so that's a new thing. Yes. All right, 32. Yeah, um, that will definitely hit. Yep. All right, so. Oh, that was a nice... Yep. 18 from Caleb. Damage? Yep. Uh, so the Lenorn flaps off into the sky looking kind of horribly wounded. Yeah. But basically turns, leaps over Hillstomper's head, flaps up into the air here, and then. I just need to look up um, its flying wings. Sure, I'll just balance it on my dice lid to show that it's in the air. Yep. So it will flap up and sort of curve around in the air as it goes. It is not what you would remotely call a graceful flyer. It doesn't so much bank elegantly as sort of sharply goes mm-hmm. to the left. Um, it does manage to get itself spun around enough, though, to look down at the two of you and... <laughs> breathes fire down on the both of you again. And Hillstomper, Kaelin, and Windchaser all need to make me reflex saves. Okay. Hill Stomper, Super Mammoth will dodge out of the way again. Kaelin is not as agile as the giant mammoth as we all know and gets a 14. Okay, so he will fail, unsurprisingly. Windchaser is hopefully considerably more uh, um, agile than his right. And Windchaser nat 20s, and okay. is fine. Cool. But he doesn't have evasion, though. No, he takes some fire damage. A bit of um, fire... Uh, so that's sixty nine points or thirty four points. Oof. Yeah. Pretty vicious, this dragon. As it spits the spiral of fire that Kaelin is nowhere near quick enough to dodge out of the way. Yep. And this is not just like sort of getting hit with a burning torch, it clings to you like the fire is alive. It's dealing you 15d8 of fire damage. Yep. However, Kaelin and Winchase's magical protections are both damaged but both holding. Yep. And then it rolls to see how many rounds it's going to need to recharge its breath weapon again. Yep. And. That is it. Yep. And Tristan looks up at it and says, "Oh, we've we've got it on the run. Uh-huh. Uh, very good." And as it is still within short range for his distant short bow, <laughs> he will. Uh, 
I don't think he will rapid shot it on the hole. He will just shoot it. Yeah, that makes sense. He gets his own Inspire Courage bonuses, though. Yes, and his own haste. Sweet. Ah, uh, yep, so he'll get a bunch of extra... He'll get extra attacks anyway. Yep. Both of those will miss. Yep. And the last one that is a 29 will hit. Sweet. So it turns, turns around, fires the breath weapon. Tristan sort of shies his horse away, jinking it away instinctively, and then brings his brings his short bow up, and sort of quite terrified by this thing, fires a couple of times blindly into the air. A couple of arrows fly past, and one of them just nicks it and sort of catches it lightly in the in the arm. Well, Norn looks at it, reaches over. Endeavors to pull it out, yanks out a chunk of flesh in the process, then spins out of control and crashes into the ground. Oh, sweet! It is unconscious. Okay. Alright. As Tristan completely kill-steals you with his last seven points of damage. <laughs> I'm good with that. And Tristan looks very shocked at this. And he says, Huh, you killed a dragon! Well done! We killed the dragon, and um, Kaelin will ride over and spear it through the, and spear it through the heart. Sure. And Hillstomp will go over and just kind of stomp on it several <laughs> times. Clunk, 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 clunk. He says, brrrr! Mm. will clap Wind Tracer on the, um, uh, clap Wind Tracer on the shoulder. Nicely done. That was a mighty charge. That was a mighty charge. <laughs> <laughs> the two of them have ex- almost exactly the same voice. Well, that's okay. Um, and Hill Stomper looks at you and he says, mm. I do not much hold with metal, but I can see where it is of use to you. That was substan- that went substantively better than my last encounter with the beast. I well, I wouldn't have fancied it, it fighting it on my own either, even with uh, even with the metal. It was, a, not, it was um, a nasty piece of work, and Caleb rubs at his various bleeding wounds, looking like a man who took half his hit points in one attack. I think there is only the one, and Tristan will sort of look around, and I would think so. Yes, if if it's got a mate or anything like that, then it would um, would have doubtlessly heard about it by now. But no, I think it was too young. Teenager, really. Still a, ver- still a Craig Lenorn, though. Uh, in the land of the Lenorn kings and the orphan lands to the north, well, he gives you a slightly ironic smile. You could be a king. Aye. I'm not. Uh, if um, we ever get any Lenorn diplomats at uh, Stalin, I'll point out that I'm a king twice over. Because I, I know how this works. You don't have to fight your Lenorn all on your own. Some of the Sissier kings had to take one out with a whole squad of mercenaries. Oh, yes. I mean, there's several historically fascinating sagas 
uh, like the Ballad of Eric Tushield. <laughs> and he begins to go into this at length. Which, you know, he's telling a story the, about fighting a dragon. Yes, I'm completely the, good with it. But the, I'm go- while he has this conversation, I'm going to take the Drake, the Lenorn's head for a the, trophy. The famous Lenorn king, Eric Tushield, who rode into battle bravely wielding two tower shields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and spent every action taking total cover. Yeah. Well, his mercenaries killed the Lenorn. Uh, he's obliged to actually fight the thing, so he yep. needs to, like, at least go man up and engage it on some level. Yeah. Um, which, you know, he did. He like, pl- like he... four points of that damage was his. Yeah, he played he played meat shield while his, part, while his large party of mercenaries be- actually did the damage to some, the thing. Something like that. <laughs> Alright, and then we see what a 13th level character looks like as you just completely whomp the dragon up one side and down the other. Well, in all fairness, it was it was going to be a swingy fight because we were doing so much damage and the dragon was doing so much damage because, like, you know, 74 hit points from 136. If it had hit me like that again, it would come down close to killing me. Besides, I had a giant woolly mammoth. I could do all, I could do everything better if I had a giant woolly mammoth. Well, perhaps not sneaking. Although, admittedly, he's a great, great, very stealthy woolly mammoth. I do not like the fire that burns within me from that beast. He fails three more fortitude saves. Yikes. And drops another four points of con. Yep. Uh, at which point Tristan will run over to him and, oh, uh, um, <clears throat> endeavours to help heal him and is just completely pointless here, as his heal check will not get higher than the fortitude save anyway. Um... Kalen will um, dig out one of his potions of lesser restoration. Uh, it must be said that Hillstomper is still rocking around on 15 constitution. Okay. So he looks fine for the moment. If, if he could roll anything higher... Well, I'm going to give him a potion of lesser restoration to um, boost it to keep his con... Um, help toss, top up his con. Sure. Twelve con goes back up from it's a D it's just a D4 it's, it's a straight D4 he goes back up four points of con back to 16 constitution at which point I imagine he will make that one on his 12 on the dice uh, Jesus uh, only just but rolls around looking extremely distressed and then finally shudders a couple of times. I think the poison has burned its way through my system now. I did not feel the heat, but it is inside my veins. A foul beast I never got quite close enough to be bitten before. <laughs> Kalen will um, clap the, um, gently clap, it on the, clap him on the side. And I think think you'll be all right in time, though. Yes, um, part of the part of the benefits of the protection from fire is it prevents your veins from actually burning. They just feel like they are. Well, I can't remember. A mammoth meat eaters. 
No. Well, no, they're hermione. Yeah, like, yeah, like elephants. Yeah, so he doesn't want to eat the dragons. No. Mm. Uh, does he have any objection to Kaelin taking the hit for a trophy? He shakes his head. Brr. This cre- this beast has no place in my mammoth graveyard. You may drag its corpse off and do as you please with it. I would far rather it was disposed of. Anything you do not want, I will be- I will drag and bury far from here. But if you wish it, skin it, eat it, whatever you please. All right. So um, we will um, tow the thing out out of the mammoth graveyard. Yeah. Which um, when Tracer and Tristan's horse and Kaelin all pulling together can pretty much erase. Yeah, and the mammoth. And the mammoth. The mammoth that can pull like sixty tons. And the mammoth, yes. So we move the we move the dragon far enough out of the graveyard that natural predators will take care of the rest. Yep. At which point, Kaelin takes his head, and you know, Kaelin's had quite a bit of practice tra- taking trophies at this part. Yep. It's hard to but, argue with. So um, I am going to you know actually cut cut its head, do a nice cheap job, clutching its head off. Um, patch its jaw up a bit where I may have speared it a little bit and um, basically clean the head out so that it's easier to preserve at a subsequent time when I take it back to someone who actually does this sort of thing for a living. Can I get a pencil? You can. I want to write. Um, I have castle decorations on my um, list of equipment. You have a young Craglenorm head if you care. Yes. Here we are. I've got a collection of Awesome things. What are in my palace? And I will on. So the um, the throne room has the um, the um, Drake's head on one side, and then right in the middle, the massive giant Albear head. So I'll put the Craglenorn head on the other side. It's a you know things Camelon has killed kind of. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, that's like right over. That's right over the bit where Kalen sits. So it's just they're just kind of looming, looking at the people coming in. Tristan says, "Oh, we should we should check out its cave. Uh, even for a young beast, it should have started to accumulate some sort of hoard." I'm all I'm all for hoard. <laughs> and when you go into the cave, this is not exactly hard to find. Yeah, the cave's like forty foot wide. Yeah, not forty foot long. Um. And there is a pile of treasure just kind of sitting in the middle of it. Yeah. And Tristan says, oh, fascinating. I haven't had much of an opportunity to see dragons in their natural habitats. It's said that they absorb the value of their horde. It's what brings them the power, sparks and fires up what's in their bloodline. They, they quite literally become stronger the more treasure they acquire. It's a, a fascinating thing. I'd really like to spend the... If it was still alive, we could study it, ask it questions... I suppose this way is better, on the whole. <laughs> well, let's see if it has any books in this pile. It does not. Yeah. Um, just filthy, filthy Luca? <laughs> just filthy, filthy Lucree. Okay, and it has, in a combination of what is mostly gold and some platinum, uh, 5,600 gold pieces. Lovely. A wide variety of jewellery and coffers and rings and that sort of thing, which I can just add up for you. Yep. Uh, that is 4,400 worth of assorted gems, jewels, etc., etc. Cool. Caelan um, will um, doubtless take a number of the more interesting gemstones and things for his jewellery making collection. Yep. Um, 
this is probably of no use or interest to you, but it has a masterwork called Iron Greatsword. Cool. Yeah, no, I've um, kind of got the... Um... Um, a wooden gnarled staff that feels very cold to the touch and is obviously magical. And then a small bag that Tristan opens and says, oh, I don't know why it would be keeping this. It just seems to be full of dust. Uh, looks at it. Magical dust, though. Ah. A bag with three three lots of magical dust in it. And Hillstomper looks at this and says, Any of the, any and all of this you may take. It will only attract other thieves and scavengers here, have it, and I have no use for gold nor gems. But your kingdom, yes. Like like Calafraxis, you serve your forest and your your uh, he stumbles slightly for this word, your community. I then on behalf of what you have done, I will give them a gift as well. Return to me, return with me to the graveyard. And he will dig, 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 dig back this way. Uh, he takes you over to one of the corners where it looks like the oldest bones and things are here. And he will point to several of them. And he says, the ivory here will decay in a mere hundred years or so. <laughs> and then be lost to this graveyard. It no longer serves any purpose here, and the spirits of these mammoths are long gone to their rest. If you wish, you may take it for your kingdom. Spend it on whatever you humans spend it upon, building your tree houses and things of that nature. Sweet. Uh, and, yeah, he will point you to a bunch of old ivory that he is happy for you to have. Uh, and Preston... Through. <laughs> Oh my, oh, that's a... Uh, well, that should... Uh, I suppose that will pay for an army for uh, a month or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifteen build points worth of ivory. Sweet. Oh, uh, the coffers are a little low at present, but it will come in extremely timely. Because, of course, we failed our last economy check and are expecting to be invaded by Draylor again in really any time now, so... Irrevetti. Irrevetti, any time now. Yep. Hillstopper says, you may may take this now, and and then sort of looks at the two of you, or perhaps bring or send men back later for it, because it's quite a chunk of ivory. Yeah. Um, But you can relatively easily, like Hillstopper will just say, you know, if people show up to take this, I'll just kind of hand it to them without stomping on them or whatever. Yeah. Um, Sorry, you... I um I have a small I have one of the smaller sizes of bags of holding, but I'm kind of imagining this is a larger amount of ivory. Than yeah, that. like a, a a given mammoth tusk is about thirty odd pounds worth of ivory. Yeah, and you are taking about several dozen here. Yeah, yeah. So no, we we will indeed um we will arrange with Hillstomper the details yeah. and send people back to collect the ivory. And he says, so if there's a good day's work. Stay, sup upon berries and leaves and meat and whatever else it is that you eat with me. Tell I'd be, me of. I'd be very glad to. Tell me of your staghorn and tell me what has happened to Pytax. It has been many years since I have seen that little kingdom. 
Mm-hmm. And yes, we will sit and eat with him and talk to him and let him know what's going on. Yep. What are you actually telling him? Um, it is reasonably self-evident, because he has the social skills of a woolly mammoth, um, that Irvedi is his friend. Yeah. Insofar as he is concerned. Yeah. Um, you have not at this point, I think, told him that you are actively at war with Pytax or anything of that sort. You tell him you're from the kingdom of Stagthorn, he doesn't know what that is, but he's just like, yeah, cool, you know, you've got Winchester, that's fine. Yeah, I, um, I'm kind of in two minds about this. Um, the thing is, Winchester knows we're at war with Pytax. Yes. And indeed, you can have a side conversation with him about it if you desire. Yeah, I think... Like, Hill Stomper won't um, blink in the slightest because he has no... He he has the intelligence to understand social niceties, but he doesn't care. Yeah. So you can literally wander off, have a conversation, and wander back in again. Well, the thing is, as well, we're talking about spending the evening together talking of many things. So, yeah, I will seize the opportunity before we get into heavily into the talking about Pytax parts to... Say to to take Winchester on side, you know, get get them all on the excuse of getting because you know he'll be wearing a saddle and such, yeah. and I want him to be comfortable, so I'll be grooming him and taking yeah. a saddle off. Of and Trist- Tristan turns to Hillstopper and says, "So I've always wondered what it's like to be a woolly mammoth." And Hillstopper looks back and says, "You know, I have never wondered what it's like to be a human. Are you all green? I'm some sort of. Hey, it's a long story. I have a long time to hear it. Because <laughs> he picked up that he was a changeling last yes. time. Because we're calling him a little changeling. But yes. Possibly he doesn't get the distinction. And um, yes, and I will take one tracer off and give him a good brushing down. So, what do you think? Should we tell him about what's happened to Ravetti? I don't. I don't want to lie to him, but it's it, it's a bit upsetting. I know very little of what passed between Calafraxis and Hillstomper and the and the Crustrucio Irvetti. Uh, presumably, Winchase has been brought up to speed on the Clockwork Cave and things. Yeah, but at least before he became this Clockwork King, that was a dimmer time in my life distant memory because he was there but he was a horse yep. whereas Windchaser was an awakened mammoth yep. um, and he says, I know that Califraxis I know that when we left Pytax and went to the lands north of here what is now Fort Draylev Califraxis would not speak of Irovehi or what had passed before he seemed saddened but I did not wish to push my friend for answers for a matter that was, at the time, none of my concern. I think it would trouble Hillstomper to learn what has become of his friend, but if we are to gather gather any sort of information from him, we may need to be more direct or more circumspect like your Michaela. I think... um it, it's a sad story, but I think he's got the right to know it. Yeah. He's living in these lands. It may not be irrelevant forever. Yeah, so Hillstomper is very much assuming that Califraxis is dead. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't actually know that for a fact, but yeah. he's assuming it. 
and he's assuming that Irvetti is still alive because he can tell how many years Ish have passed. Yeah, and um, would suggest, of course, um, Irvetti, you know, age now being largely irrelevant to him. But if he wasn't a clockwork man, he'd be in his sixties or yeah. thereabouts yeah. by now, and could so. well be dead from incident, old age, whatever. But he yeah. could equally be very much alive. Yeah, uh, and Hill Stomper's opinion is that Irvetti was, you know, a strapping young man in the prime of his life, so he'd become a badass sixty-year-old. Which, in all fairness, he still kind of is a badass 60-year-old, just not quite in the ideal way. And um, Kaelin will actually sort of ease into this. He will tell um, he will tell um, Hill Stompers some stories about um, uh, Stagthorn, aiming for, like, he's not really certain more interests in Mammoth, so he'll talk about some different things, let Tristram talk about some different things. Um you know, that some of the adventures we've had and the interesting creatures and meeting the centaurs and that kind of stuff. And then he will talk about meeting a Rivetti for the first time and that they, um, he wears armor all the time now and they call him the Clockwork King. Strange. But you humans are prone to wear a lot of metal around you. Mm-hmm. I suppose you need it for protection. And, um... The, the, the Castruccio I knew, too, wore solid, heavy armour and carried a great sword across his back. He was a man of metal. He and Calafraxis had mm, many strong discussions over, over whether the growing wood was better to form into weapons or whether metal was to be smelted. Erevedi <laughs> has changed from the time that you knew him. I don't know... He's a different man now. And what manner of man is he? He... And we found... We were exploring up here and we found a hill. And I will tell him about the lizard man who yep. came here a long time ago. Yep. And that Iravini found the cave um, when he was still a young man. And um, that at some point... It seems that he underwent the same process that the lizard man had done. And as you were describing, you know, the cave and Irvini went through and looked at these documents, you know, Hillstopper sort of nods at this. He was always very bright, very interested in the art in magic and technology, technology, building and science and that sort of thing. I we preferred the simpler life, but for Castruccio, I think it kept his mind busy, and then. As you described further, you think he went back and um, yeah, turned himself into a clockwork man and cut his heart out, functionally. Yeah. And Hillstomper actually becomes quite irate at this. Not at you, per yeah. se, but he <laughs> stomps his foot several times hard into the ground. He says, Brr! impossible. Castruccio would not have done such a thing. He was a man of great passion. He cared for his life and the people around him. The his heart was everything to him. I don't know why he did it. I didn't know him back then. But he isn't that man anymore. He doesn't understand why people do things. Hill Stomper shakes his head. No, no, that is not the Castruccio Rivetti I know. As I say, he was a man of great passion. He loved Cassiopeia with 
passion I have never seen the likes of. Animals, many, some animals mate for life, but many more simply rut to breed. Irovetti was of the former. It's, um, it's a sad story. I don't know what happened between him and his queen, but it didn't... I think something terrible must have happened to him that made him feel he didn't want to go on feeling anymore. I have understood from Calafraxis that they had married. They all seemed well when he moved on from me and gave me my intellect and freedom. He returned several years later, but Calphraxus returned. Um, he said that he had had harsh words with Castruccio, that he had turned his back on what he was, that Calphraxus would head north and leave this area. I do not know that he ever returned, and Winchaser says, when he, was, when he was growing old and the bleaching was upon him, he told me that he wished to go back and see his old friends again. He came south. And Hillstomper shakes his head, oh, I did not see him. But perhaps he had not the time before he bleached. Aye, it's, um, it's not a long process after they get to that point. Um... And what became of Cassiopeia? He would have, she would have long outlived him. The my mate, my wife, is her name is Bryn. She grew up in the woods. She was raised by wolves. Her a fine wife. <laughs> her um. She was being protected by a golem whose name's First. She doesn't remember very much, but from what he remembers, she and her mother were fleeing into the woods and he was trying to protect them. They were attacked and her mother was killed. I believe that that was Cassiopeia. Red, your Bryn is... Castruccio's daughter. Aye, she is. Has she elven blood in her? Aye, she's half elven. Irvetti was a human, Cassiopeia, an elf. That makes good sense. Then I wondered if it was something like that. I do not like what you, what tales you tell here today, Kalen. Kalen, twice marked. It is. A strange and sad tale you bring of a fallen friend. I am sorry. More than one, it would seem. I'm sorry. You cannot change what is. It is better to know than to not. I... Castru... I respected... Respect Castruccio. He's not, I think, the man he was when he was young. But he's still a very honourable man. But... He wants me to give him Bryn and first and my sword and he offered me money and I wouldn't take it for them and 
then he warned me of a threat to my kingdom, which I wouldn't take, and I wouldn't take the information. And then, when neither of those worked, he declared war on me. Hill Stomper will sort of look your sword up and down and actually get you to take yeah, it. Yeah, I will. He, take will it up. he will physically pick it up yeah. with his trunk and sort of, and then kind of hands it back with a shrug. He said, "Ravetti had a sword like this, I think, but." One piece of sharp metal is much like any other piece of sharp metal. <laughs> like he can he can pick up. There are obvious differences between your bastard sword and your great sword, but any finer distinctions between these two things are different. I completely lost on him. It's called Gatekeeper. It's a um, it's a fey blade. Erevetti's is blight. He wants them both. The fey are good people. They bring. A serenity to this land. It grows so beautiful and green here, in part because the first world is so close upon it. Tristan says, yeah, right? Blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah. We talk a bit about the fate being citizens of the kingdom. Yeah. I can see that this is your place, and it seems like um, you haven't had any trouble here. If you do have any trouble, head north and we'll see that you're taken care of. You um, would be very welcome in Stag thought if you need a if you need a place of refuge, right? It would have to be a pretty bad. I would imagine it would have to be a pretty bad trouble. And Callum will glance yeah. up at the enormous mammoth. Yeah, he chuckles slightly deep in his belly. Yeah. <laughs> I hear what you say, Caelan twice marked, but I do not think it likely. Whatever Castruccio Irovetti, your clockwork king, has become, he has not burnt the land or troubled the animals or anything of the sort. Or was as peaceful here as it was in Calafraxus's day. No, he's been a good. He's still being a good king to his people. They, um, he's taking good care of his lands. I do not know what I can tell you. Whatever became of Cassiopeia and Castruccio after they left here, I do not know. I can only point you towards Thousand Voices at its southernmost tip, the Great Forest, he says, and sort of gestures vaguely off that way. Uh, there in the Weeping Grove was a favoured place of Califraxus and Cassiopeia. They often went there together and took Castruccio there to show him the beauty of nature. I think he appreciated it on some level, but he was always a man of learning other than the trees. Well, in fact, you can be both. I mean, I've come to understand the substructure of blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It is a green leaf, and it is good to eat. Mm-hmm. Those are the bits that matter. <laughs> he had a mind of wheels and gears. Yep. Yeah, and, and he kind of always did. Yeah. He was never a um, super nature-loving person who then became a clockwork abomination. Yeah, he was always into the clockwork thing. It was yeah. just that he could draw the... Dis- at one stage in his life, he could draw the distinction between this is an interesting contraption I can build, but I'm not going to put it in me. Yeah, so he can um, tell you um, Califraxus's Weeping Grove is down in about where you'd think it is, B something or other, well down. You've probably got it marked already. Uh, is it by chance... Is it the area that Irvidi says you can't go to? Is it forbidden B9? Yes, it is. Right. I don't think it's B9. Or maybe it is. Yeah, Yeah, sorry, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, yes, so somewhere around there in the Forest of Thousand Voices is the Weeping Grove. Yeah. Um, where it, it was a spot that of particular natural beauty that Calphraxis and Cassiopeia both enjoyed and Erevetti went to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's much like, you know, back then it was kind of just like me, you know, Tristram periodically comes to me and says, you've got to look at this book, isn't yeah. it fascinating? And yeah. I say, uh-huh. And, he, and you know, I take him out and make him ride his horse and, um, you know, look and fight things. And he's like, well, this is great, but you know what would be better? A library. If Califraxis had any old secrets, then that is where they are likely to be. Cool. Um... I can always. Um, I will actually. Um, while we're discussing Kelefraxis, this interesting secrets. I will ask Killstomper and Windchaser if there are any more awesome animals out there. None that I remember before my time, but the time before we were awakened is like a distant, shadowy memory. I think there were other beasts before us. Kelefraxis had been alive for mm, at least several, several, several decades. He liked to. He he enjoyed the different types of animals about, and likes to bond with them, learn what he could from them, then teach them what he could, and send them on their way to take another. So Is yeah, it? there was something else before Hillstomper that presumably also got awakened. Maybe but Hillstomper kind of, doesn't remember what it is. Maybe there's like an awesome awakened jaguar living down there. Possibly. <laughs> Okay, that may be a bit Helen, but no, Kaelin likes it too. It's um, it's it's just he sounds amazing. Kaelin says with wholehearted enthusiasm. I wish I could have met him. <laughs> he was indeed, because of course, um, Hillstomper and Windchaser both think the sun shines out of Kelefraxis's ass. Yeah, which is probably not necessarily a completely realistic view, but he's their druid. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Plus, you know. Druids aren't, druids are kind of interesting people anyway, and you know, druids that go around leaving awesome animal companions around that other people can then have as the most awesome riding mount ever is fantastic. Plus, look at Hillstomper. He's a giant mammoth who talks. It, it, there are literally very few things more awesome than that. So, <laughs> uh, Hillstomper, understanding where you are now coming from and what you're about, um, Hillstomper will sort of tell you of what he knows about Erevetti, which I think you've now got all the sort of context for. Yeah. Um, in terms of he, Cassiopeia, and um, Califraxis were somewhat the adventuring party that yeah. rolled around and claimed the lands here. Oh, um, what was um, what was Cassiopeia? Uh, was she a ranger? Uh, I will have to look that up. Uh, Cassiopeia was a rogue. Oh, cool of um, a somewhat wilderness variety as opposed to a, um, you know, urban rogue, per yeah. se. Not to the degree of actually being a super wilderness master. She was more yeah. somebody who liked nature than somebody who had an innate connection with it. Yeah, well, that's, um, you don't have to, um, you don't have to actually have class levels and something to like it. Uh, and in terms of what he can, what Hillstopper can tell you about what he saw of Erevetti and what Erevetti could do um, was he was primarily just a fighter. Yeah. You know, he carried a number of weapons, he fought things with them, he, yeah. was, he was tough, fast, etc, etc. Yeah. What he was was fiercely intelligent. Yeah. Um, and may or may not have had some levels and some skilly classes as well. Yeah, that makes sense. But 
a primarily martial character yeah. with a lot of skill points. Um, he was a use magic device character back then as well. Yeah. He was a fighter who carried around a variety of scrolls and wands and that sort of thing. So he may have had either um, like something like ro- some rogue levels to power that or possibly some kind of special, you know, clockwork clockwork style trait which meant that yeah. he could um, put ranks and use magic well, device. All he'd need is a trait that says use magic device to class skill skill. for yeah. you. Um, he was an arcanist, like he had points of knowledge arcana and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Um, and an engineer. Yeah. And by all accounts, um, versus the other two who were in his party who weren't exactly stunningly bright, um, to start with, he was their Tristan. Like, yeah. He was the guy whose intelligence was whooped ahead of everyone else's. Yeah. It's kind of, you know... It's like the, um, you know, the, it's the, this fighter and his beloved wife who loves nature adventuring together with their best buddy. It's, it's all, I mean, obviously, you know, a much smarter fighter, um, with, you know, less, less intelligent and more nature oriented best friend, but it's all a bit heart, it, it, it's all a bit heart wrenching, really. Oh, sorry, Bard Rogue, in fact, was Cassia Ah, yep. Yep. <laughs> Go to get more skill points. Yep, yep. She actually wasn't fiercely intelligent, but she could do lots of things. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But yes. Kill. Yeah, Bryn is a product of her, her, her nurture, not her nature. Yeah. But, you know, it's um, it's all pretty sad. Yep. You know, because I haven't really gotten to know Cassia Payer as, as, as anything other than a cipher at this stage, but she sounds awesome. <laughs> And frankly, young Castruccio sound, you know, Castruccio uh, still kind of badass in a vaguely evil sort of way, but um, young Castruccio sounds like he was the mad. And then they had their, you know, best friend, the most awesome druid ever. With his woolly mammoth. Well, seriously, hi. Hi, Keller Francis. And this is Hillstomper. Yep. <laughs> it, ma- it makes an impression, not unlike, not unlike, um, Aladdin, it's riding, you ride in on the elephant and everyone yeah. knows that you're a badass. Yeah. Um, Hill Stomper describes Castruccio as being a poor rider, yeah. but that's relative to the standard of Calafraxis, who apparently just did nothing but mounted animals. Yeah. So. Maybe it'll be a wolf. <laughs> Maybe. It's a good trick riding these giant things when you're a tiny little gnome. You can do it. You just yeah. take penalties on your ride. Yeah, I suppose if you've got enough points in ride. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, and I think that's about what we've got for um, yeah Mammoth Graveyard. So we will hang out and spend some time with Hell Stomper and just kind of generally yep. enjoy his enjoy his company. Yeah, he's pretty much happy for you to you know, roll back whenever, but he certainly doesn't give the remotest impression that he's lonely here. Yeah. But, um, yes, we, um, so we spend some more time hanging out with the awesome woolly mammoth. Then, um, I'll try and remember what I was actually doing, because I've been pretty profoundly distracted by the awesome mammoth graveyard. Oh, yes, Uh, that's right, I was just poking around the northern hexes. Yeah, you came down to try and open the tripartic stone. Yeah. Um, and it got nowhere and then kind of rolled up and found this mammoth graveyard and went, look, it's a mammoth! Oh god, it's trampling us! Yeah. Okay, let's leave and go back and get my talking horse. 
Okay, so I'm crossing off a day for originally meeting Hillstomper. Yep. A day for riding north and riding back down. Yeah, because, because horses. Yeah. And um, then a day for fighting the Craglenord and then spending time late into the night hanging out with the awesome, 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 uh, awesome mammoth. Yep. And then the next day we will um, ride north into the swamp. Cool. And go have a look at some... Unexplored Swamp Hexes. Where are you heading to? C1. Uh, so... C1 is not in fact swamp. The swamp comprises like a little corner of that hex. Oh, right, okay. I've got the wrong terrain type on it. That's right. um... There is swamp in there, but it is not primarily made of swamp. Okay, cool. Maybe. It's entirely possible I've given you the wrong information prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I rode, th- I rode through it on the way down. You may have glanced at it and gotten the wrong one. That's not particularly... No. So uh, hills. It is hills. Cool. All right. And we explore it. Empty. Cool. Yes. They can't all be mammoth graveyards. Yep. Cool. And then... um. We ride um, through D1, which is already explored swamp, and into E1, which we, which I have down as swamp. Yes, very much swamp. Yeah, because um, that's where that river starts yes. is in the next hex. So that is that hex is pretty much um, nine tenths swamp, and that is where the Mivon River is coming from going yeah. down. Yeah, it sort of bogs out of that and it forms into an actual hundred hundred tiny tributaries form into an actual river. Yep. Yep, so we explore that hex. Cool. Uh, can you make me a check of some kind? Um, <laughs> yeah, I imagine Tristan will safely hit this. Uh, so it is a search check, which he will comfortably do for you. Oh, good old um, Tristan. And he sort of, you're, you're looking around at what's, you know, another area of desolate, bubbling swamp. Yeah. Um, and the horse just kind of floating on the surface, no problem. And Tristan says, oh, uh, Kaelin, what do you make of this? They sort of look like track marks of, of something, well, something kind of like us, really, and he points at the ho- the horse is physically touching the ground, so it is leaving hoof prints, but they're incredibly light, because it's barely touching the ground. And there's something else here that is leaving prints as well that look like they're barely touching the ground. And you can give me a knowledge engineering check. Alrighty. Twenty-seven. Okay, so this is a clockwork thing. The tracks are too precise, too direct, and too following exactly the same angle with no deviations to be anything else. Um, what we're looking at is, you're guessing it's a clockwork a unit, a, a clockwork man of some kind, that's been designed to effectively be a boat on the bottom with wheels on it. It's designed to go through the marshy terrain. Huh? Huh? I will relay this to Tristram. Yeah. Um, and based on the fact that you can see little leavings of oil and things like that, now this is recent. This thing is still here. 
it's in front of you by a couple of hours, maybe. We will follow it some weird little slightly dented trail. Cool. Are you endeavouring to sneak up on it? Uh, well, we don't have the woolly mammoth with us this time, why not? Sure. It's always possible. Uh, not Some things are more likely than others. However, this is moved silently, right? Yes, it is. Uh, Kaelin rejoices in his glorious four. I can roll wind chases, but it doesn't seem super relevant. Uh, yeah. It's almost certainly like better than that. But. Uh, so you are opposing a difficulty of 37. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> we would actually be slightly louder if we were playing a full brass marching band, but, you know, from the perspective of whatever this is, we might so as well be. You can ignore the terrain, yeah, because yeah. this is just all filthy swamp terrain. Um. There are two of these things, and what they look like is... Calling them like first would be a gross exaggeration. They very crudely resemble a man in that they have a head and a body. Um, They do not seem to have arms so much as just... um, like snow shovel type things on the front of them. They just push through stuff as opposed to anything else. They have a boat at the bottom, so they're Mm -hmm. floating on top of the swamp... And what they have are what look like some sort of complex clockwork spyglasses built into their eyes. (laughs) And as they perceive you, they turn, and you can hear a little as their clockwork spyglass eyes bug out towards you as they see you. Okay, that's all manner of weird. And what do you want to do about this? Uh, Okay, so... They've got boats for legs, bizarre spyglass eyes, and sort of shovel arms. Yeah, so fairly obvious to Kaylin, they have been designed for this terrain. They are designed to go into the marsh, whereas Erevedi's standard clockwork men would be horrible here, because oh. they weigh a lot, they would sink straight down. Um, these things... Uh, you can give me an engineering check, in fact, that you were looking at them, so you can draw more than your previous. If not, you'll get your previous. Uh, Tweet... 24. Cool. So, they float. They've been designed to go on this terrain. You'd guess there's some sort of, like, wheeled track underneath the boat, so they can go on land as well, albeit, um... Quite slowly? Uh, you're not sure. You'd have to actually get closer to them and examine them. It could be quite fast if they've been designed for speed, or the boat pulls in or folds up in any fashion. Uh, What they have been designed to do is see things, however. They have really, really high perceptions. Right, yep, hence the 37. Yep. Um, And they clearly perceive you. Um, And you can give me a sense clockwork motive check. And a minus four. uh, Yes, because they are human-ish. Tristan rolls it in three. And you're opposing a difficulty of 12. Uh, Alright, then the math is going to be important, because I got a 15, but it's a minus 4. Yeah. So I get an 11. Yep. So their eyes bug out and whir, they clearly perceive you. Yeah. And then it is somewhat over to you what you want to do with this. Alright, um... You can just yank out bows and start shooting them, you can run away. 
I'm going to watch them and see what they do, because they don't look like they're particularly designed to fight people. Yep. Uh, They turn and start bolting out of the swamp, heading south as quickly as they can. Alright, so they're um, heading to... um, Alert or Vetti. I do not mean to suggest they are now hundreds of feet away from you. They literally turn and basically go 70 foot that away. Yep. So, um, my assessment is that they won't be, they're not likely to be like first. They're going to be dim witted constructs like the other ones. It's almost certainly. Yeah, I mean. Many of Uravidi's constructs are not all that dim-witted. Yeah. First is more empathic than many of them. Yeah. But, like, the courier droids are not stupid. They're capable of processing complex information. But certainly talking to, like, talking to um, 31st, there was a very marked difference in his ability to do things, to... It's interest in communicating and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, All right, um... Alright, they're going to warn Uraviti that we're here. I think we do need to stop them. And we'll ride them down. Okay, so they cannot possibly outdistance you. They yep. have no capacity to do so. Now, I'm on Windchaser, not my um, not my magic horse, because I brought Windchaser down with me. Yeah, nonetheless. But he moves 70 feet around. Uh, they have a 60-foot movement speed on the water. Yeah. Um, how's Windchaser getting through the swamp? Um, slogging, I would imagine. Right, so he's only on 35-foot movement. Ah, yeah, very So good. they will indeed start bolting and pulling slowly away from you. Yeah. They will not be possibly be able to pull away from Tristan, so ride them down and engage them. Yeah. Cool. Roll me initiative. Cool. These things react really quickly. As soon as they process that you are there, they take a moment to look at you and Tristan and then just immediately and simultaneously pivot and start running as fast as they can. Even despite their high, high initiative, Tristan is still faster. Yep. As with his fey grace, he seems to move far more elegantly and far more easily than they are. And dig, 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 rides across. And he says, so we need to take them down, then. Alright. Ride, ride, ride. Tink, tink. Uh, he will hit with both those arrows. And we'll hit with his third as well. And the first one explodes as he hits it with three arrows in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and it begins to billow smoke out of it and just... And stops and just kind of floats there on its base. And the other one turns, sees this, and keeps going. Yep. And then it is them. And it does not make any real effort to engage you. It just goes... As fast as it can smashing through various branches and things with its shovel-like blades in front of it, just pushing away, and it goes that away. Cool. 
So Kalen wants to have Windchaser double move after it, <laughs> at which point he will go 70 feet. Yes, he will. Which will bring him back into melee with it, or is uh, that... No, they are now 70 foot all away from you. Yeah, okay. So Kalen will move 70 feet towards it. Yep. Uh, you can... No, you can't shoot it with your bow, because longbow is horseback. Yes, so I will move I, I will move up towards it. Cool. Tristan rides on. Yeah, having watched him effortlessly kill one of them, I'm kind of relying on it. Yep. Okay. And he puts two more arrows in the second one, and it too grinds to a halt. Um, and you can then roll up after them, and Caleb can give me another knowledge engineering check. Yep. So I'll actually have a little look at what I've got here. Uh, 35. Okay, so you take a glance over them and assess, yeah, they're definitely broken and now the arrows have dealt with sufficient damage to stop them and kill them. But there's still, like, faint whirrings in there and and the smell of smoke and you realise that these things are going to self-destruct in a moment. Yeah. Um, That they have been deliberately designed to do that so they cannot be... Uh, captured or whatever, uh, and you have sufficient engineering to basically open them up and yank out whatever the information modules they have before this happens. Sweet. So I will. So Kalen looks at it and goes, "Ah, they're going to self-destruct, right? When and we need if they know anything, it'll be in this part." And you basically just yank the heads off. Yeah, and then um, Tristan fall back. They're going to blow. Yeah. They do not explode with a gigantic boom or anything. If if anything, it is quite contained. It just yeah. sort of goes boom, and then bits start sinking into the swamp, and boom goes the second one. Bits start sinking, and you can go to somewhere that is less hideously messy and yeah. um, and pull these things out. And what they have inside their heads are a sort of the spy glasses are connected to a string of clockwork gears which are connected to, of all things, vellum, and a quill that is held in a sort of in a sort of metallic claw, and there's a string of drawings on there, and you've got about four metres of drawing. Wow. Of, and looking through it, it's, it's fairly obvious what they are looking at here. Um, it has... It's it's been sitting out here in the swamp for a while. If you give me a survival check, I will give you more on that because you're basing this off what you can see of the stars and that sort of thing. From there, uh, twenty-two. Okay, so it's been sitting out here for about three months, you'd guess, and the first couple of pictures are just the swamp this month. Clearly, the unit is intelligent enough to perceive nothing has substantively changed. Yeah. Here's next month. Here's next month. Um, here is a crocodile attacking them, uh, which they have presumably been sufficiently strong to defend themselves against, because yeah. the next picture, the crocodile, is gone again. Yeah. And then there are about six pictures in a row, hastily drawn, of you and Tristan appearing. Yeah. Um, you and Tristan shooting at them, you and Tristan riding towards them. Um of note, what they are doing is they're sitting in this area and surveilling in every direction. Caleb can pick up what they're doing here, they're scouts. 
Yeah. Um, and what they're doing is they are recording this hex and all the adjacent hexes with their really high perception. Yeah. And drawing anything they see that is amiss, anything that changes from their original picture. Yeah. Like, presumably, an army going past or something like that. Yeah. So, Irovedi actively has scouts out looking... Not necessarily looking for you and Tristan, but looking for your scouts, looking for your armies, looking for you if you happen to come down here. Yeah. And if you're here, he wants to know about it. Yep. And, and I want him to not know about it. Yeah. And, and clearly their instructions are observe and report rather yeah. than engage, because they just run away as soon as you, they yeah. need you. Uh, moreover, um, based on what you're looking at in the pictures, the speed and the urgency with which they are drawn... The bit you missed off the sense motive is they actively recognise you and Tristan. Right, yep. They are smart enough to know that you are Caelan, the King of Stagthorn, and that they cannot engage you. Yep. At any meaningful capacity, so they run. Yep. Whereas, like, one lone scout with a dagger, they might possibly try and kill. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So, um... Boating scout units. Boating scout. Where did we run into the boating scouts? Uh, they are at the mouth of the river, so in the um, southeastern part of the hex. Yep. Just basically concealed somewhat in the swamp, but close enough to look at river traffic, etc., etc., etc. Boating scouts. Cool. And we kill them and explore, continue exploring the swamp. Yeah, and they have been um, here from based on the survival there. About a bit after when you originally came down here with, I think, Michaela. Uh, so yeah. rolled around the river and things. So yeah. Irovedi clearly became aware on some level that you penetrated okay. his territory. Yeah. And, and sent people out to look for you. Yep. Cool. So that's the thing that's happening. Cool. Other than that, it's all marsh. Cool. So I explore that hex. Yep. And um, continue onwards. Yes, indeedy. And, um, yeah, no, I won't do that this time, because that was based on us both having zappy horses. Um, let's see. So I'm contemplating exploring the Steam Grotto, because I wanted to do that with Tristram, but I wanted to do that with Tristram and our um, magic horses. Yep. Um, so I will, um, well, we could sort of surveil the edges of it and see what I can, see what I can see. I, um, yeah, let's have a little look, let's have a little look round and you can give me your assessment on the kind of place it is. Well, I'll, I'll use my knowledge nature, which I know you and Michaela have sod and all of. Oh, uh, yes, and goes close and sort of sniffs the ground. Oh, I, I shouldn't like to go too far into there. Uh, the entire area is very geothermically active. Uh, quite dangerous, as you must have seen with with Michaela. I, uh, after, I nearly got, uh, after we nearly got her killed, I thought um, perhaps she and I wouldn't go any further in there. Uh, I don't think there's anything more in here to find than what you've found. Nothing's going to be living here beyond a few certain specific manner of insect life. Um, and certainly this terrain is almost completely unusable. Uh, so he can tell you, based on his knowledge of nature, without needing to go explore the whole thing, what's in there is the steam geysers. 
Okay. Um, nothing is going to be living in there. Very few things could survive. The things that could are of no relevance or meaning to you. It's almost unusable terrain. In yep. theory, you could, like, you or Erebiti could clean and stabilize it and dig it out and turn it into a usable hex, but at massive expense for no real gain. Yeah, absolutely. So, can I effectively consider that explore? Yes, you can. Oh, sweet. Go, Tristram. Because you have been in it long enough to tell what is here, because you've seen the things, and Tristan can assess, yeah, there's going to be nothing but that in here. Cool. What's in here is dangerous steam vents. Excellent. And then at that point... And he can tell you that there doesn't seem to be anything um, compellingly unusual about them, it's just a natural piece of the environment. Cool. So we spend a day or so surveilling, because, you know, to ride it all the way around the outside of the hex takes probably a decent amount of time. Yeah. And um, at that point, we will head down into um, called F3. Yep. Um, get aboard the river. Yep. Um, uh, unpack our folding. Unpack my glorious inherited from Corwin folding boat. Yep. Dismiss Tristram's horses. Put Wind Chaser on the boat, and sail down to Mimor. Cool. And on the way through, I'm going to take a look at this new bridge that Castruccio has built in G4. Yep. Okay. So. What you can see as you approach it, and at this point, I will call for a profession sailor check. Okay. Sixteen. Okay. So, you and Tristan both see this thing and realize, you know, oh, right, we'll probably want to trim the sails here and do this and that and etc., etc., um... To such a degree that you do not just sail heedlessly towards it, whether you want to or not. Yeah. You actually control your journey. Um, what you are looking at there appears to be a fairly a, a fairly heavy stone construction with huge clockwork wheels on either side, and it looks like a bridge, but one that's capable of splitting in two and folding up. It's effectively a um, what do you call them? Uh, it's a uh, it's a bridge that opens and yes. shuts, so boats can go through. Yes, it is a bridge that opens and shuts. So uh, I know it is an actual name, but um... yeah, I can't remember it either. Um, regardless, looking at this, this is not going to be unmanned. It is a complex enough construction that it is not just operating itself. Yeah. Um, so there are probably people here, or at the very least, clockwork men. Right. Yes. Okay. Um... So more scouts that you will have to um, more things that you will have to kill evade or whatever um, as you have Tristan with you however it, you sort of pull over instead of just sailing merrily yeah. into them which is the failed check you encounter them whether you want to or not and Tristan says oh uh, alright well I suppose if we want to go under them we don't want to be seen as ourselves particularly if we're if, if they know what we're about hold on and he looks at you and he says hmm an elf, I think. <laughs> and cast seeming on the two of you. And now you look like other things entirely. You look like very sophisticated elvish fishermen. Yep. And uh, our elvish fishing boat sails uh, with our warhorse on board, sails um, peacefully under the... Uh... Yep. And indeed, you can see things actively come to the edge of the riverbank and look down at your boat... They're a string of clockwork men designed for combat. They look very similar to first. Um, 
They are designed to fight. They watch you. They see nothing unusual or unpleasant about your appearance. They raise the bridge as you come. They do not smile, wave, salute, or anything of the sort. They watch you go. Effectively, there is not an army stationed here. There is nowhere near enough guards on this bridge to stop an army going through, but there's definitely enough to be a moderate encounter on a personal level. Good to know. And at that point, we sail up the Mivon River into actual Mivon, or yes. rather Mivoy these days. Yes, indeed. Mivoy. They haven't renamed the river yet. Yeah. And, um, yes, and we sail up sail up the Mivon River and then um, basically sail north, because um, that takes us straight into past Silencia and into yep. um, the Rivers of Hope. And you return to your glorious homeland. Yes. Cool. And I think at that point, um, call it there, um, or possibly have a conversation with Bryn on our return because I was going to talk to her about what we had found out, and that's probably a about Irovetti and things. Yes, sure. Uh, do you want to do that now? It might be a middlingly long conversation. Cool. Let's. Um, all right, then let's leave. Uh, presumably, you're going to tell her that you think she's the Clockwork King's daughter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. We will say that. I was thinking it would be a more interesting thing, but it may be a bit too to go out on, but maybe a bit too interesting. It is Bryn, so she might well just go, "Mm." (laughs) Yeah, but um, let's give it the opportunity to be a longer conversation than that. Yeah, so let us say then that you approach her, look her, you know, say, I need to talk to you about something. And go off, you know, either to your bed chambers or into the woods or, or whatever you think is more appropriate. Yeah, I think into the woods is a good. Um, I I will have told. I will already have told her I've caught a drake. Uh, I killed a Lenorn and shown her my Lenorn head. Mm. Excellent. It'll hang nicely on the right wall there, next to the other one. Ah, oh, that's what I was thinking. You'd have them flanking the doors. Yeah. And you take the woman you love out into the woods. You look deep and soulfully into her eyes and wonder how you're going to tell her that you think her father is the clockwork king. Dum, dum, dum.